Hello all, I have a great episode for you here. I'm going to talk about the NBA Bubble Awards, which which will just be based on uh, the players so far in the bubble and just the eight games so far, because the NBA announced that they will be giving out awards based on just the eight seeding games. I'm going to talk about who, um, I'm going to talk about the NBA Bubble predictions here because the playoffs are officially lined up really here and I'm going to kind of talk about quickly who I think is going to win each game and go through the playoffs because there's some slight changes from my previous predictions based on how the seeding worked out. I'm also going to talk about um, college ball bounce back players um, for this coming season and I'm also going to talk about the college ball outlook really considering what happened this week in college ball and the big announcements. And then I'm also going to touch on another edition of ranked here which will be about the top coaches in the NFL because I've gone through all their players, all the players so far in all the group, position groups. So I'll talk about the coaches as well. And then, as always, I'll end my episode with a hot take, which this time will be about the Dallas Cowboys for the coming season in the NFC after their recent signing. So I have a great episode for you here. I hope that you will enjoy, and here we go. So... As always, before I go into the different sections of my episode, I'm going to touch on some of the sports news that's happened in the past week that I won't address later on in the episode. And so there's some big things that actually have happened in the past week that I will be talking about later on, and here I go with that. The first thing to note is that CJ McCollum has reportedly been playing with a fractured back for the last couple of games inside the NBA bubble, which is very interesting to think about here considering um, the Blazers really did need to win here to make the playoffs, and it's looking like they may make it here. At least they're in the um, play-in game against the Grizzlies at the moment, as I predicted they would be. Um, But apparently CJ McCollum is playing through having a fractured back at the moment, and that will require surgery at one point here. But um, I would think that has to be a really painful injury, especially to play for in uh, startup games like this right now and all these games in a row. And so I think it'll be really interesting to see if that affects him any further here, but um, it sounds like he's been doing very well with it. Another thing to note is that both tight ends George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, respectively of the 49ers and the Chiefs, got record-setting deals within just hours of each other earlier this week on what I believe was Wednesday. Um, it was interesting to watch considering George Kittle got the first deal, which was suspected, because um, they've both been amazing tight ends recently. And so the 49ers gave George Kittle their deal, but then Travis Kelsey, just right after that, got an extension um, from the Chiefs, um, making him the highest-paid tight end in the league by year, not by total. Um, and so it was interesting to look at this. Actually, I'm going to get the official numbers to tell you real quick um, from my phone. Uh, the, give me a second. The George Kill deal was a five-year, $75 million contract, um, while the Travis Kelsey deal was a four-year, $57.5 million contract. So it was probably even out almost exactly. It should be at fairly even or so there. And so it's interesting to see that back-to-back these two Titans both got their deals here, but um, I don't suspect that any of our tight ends will get a deal sometime soon, considering Mark Andrews would probably be the next one up. I don't think he's proven himself well enough, so it'll be interesting to see, but I don't think they will do that soon. Another thing to note is that the Bulls fired their head coach, Mike Boylan. Yeah, Mike Boylan. Um, uh, this week also because they believe that they have a good young team, as they said, but they just think that Boylan isn't going in the right direction with the talent that they have and that they believe that they need a different coach to help work around that young talent that they have and help build them to being a good um, 
a good NBA team here, as they should be, considering their prestigious history. And so, um, we all suspect this happened. It just happened now, apparently, though, um, with them firing him at this moment. Another thing to note is that the number one player in the whole 2022 college football rankings, who is a quarterback living in Texas at the moment, has committed to the University of Texas 2022 class, number one overall recruit, committed to the University of Texas um, on Friday the 14th, as I'm recording this episode here. And so um, it's interesting to see Texas get another football recruit, considering I believe that they also got two football um, quarterback recruits in, just in the offseason here prior to this starting up, which were, um, I believe, to be Hudson Card and Jaquadon Jackson. But um, it makes sense they're probably adding the if they can get the number one quarterback, they should probably go get him. But they do have other young quarterbacks just added to the roster right now that could be um could be very good. So you can't expect this kid to get immediate playing time by any means if he comes into the program. Another thing to note is that Vladik Divac, who was the Kings' former general manager, well, former now general manager, officially stepped down from the position after the Kings were eliminated from the playoffs in this past week in the NBA bubble startup. Um, and so he has a good young team and may believe that they should be playing better than they are. And so it makes sense that he's being fired since he's not able to get what he needs out of them. Another thing, and a final thing to know, is that Candy Chandler, who is the number one overall point guard in the class of 2021 in the NCAA, has in NCAA basketball, has announced that he will be committing to the Tennessee Volunteers, my team, my team, though I haven't gone to that university, obviously that is my um, favorite university here, and so that's a great commit for the University of Tennessee, I think he's a great um <clears throat> I think he's a great point guard, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he plays for the University of Tennessee in two years here when he's actually in the program. And um, it'll also be interesting to see if the NCAA actually plays basketball this season um, during the coronavirus. And so a lot of interesting stuff to look at here. But um, So that's really all the news from the past week that I want to address later on in the episode. Now I'm going to move on to talking about who I think should win each of the bubble awards and who I think the first team all-NBA uh, players for the bubble should be. And so, the NBA Bubble Awards, well, it was announced by the NBA in the past week that they would be giving out awards based on the eight um, bubble games here um, at the beginning of this NBA Bubble Restart here, like the eight play-in games and all the warm-up games, really, and the ones that would seed the teams. And so, they're giving out awards based on this, and they're also making an all-NBA team. And I'm so, I don't know if they're actually giving out, like, um the, like, sixth man in all those awards, but I know that they're giving me an MVP. And so I'm going to start off by talking about who I think my bubble MVP is. And so and there are three players that really are talked about for this at the moment. You have Devin Booker, who led the Suns to an 8-0 record in the bubble, though they did not make the playoffs, very sadly. <clears throat> Considering, I think they would have been fun to watch with a very young team, Michael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, and um, Cam Johnson's at Johnson as well on that team. But um, Devin Booker led his team, the Suns, who had less than a .2% chance to make the playoffs um, to an 8-0 record in the bubble, which was nowhere close to expected. They didn't have a televised game. He played amazing during that time, averaging almost 30 points and just being absolutely great for that team with multiple game winners throughout. 
and many other things. You also have another player in um, Damian Lillard who, well, actually not Damian, well, yeah, Damian Lillard who was absolutely amazing throughout the bubble. He played great for the Trailblazers team, which he led to the NBA, um, to the playing game here in the NBA startup and led them to the eight seed, actually jumping the Grizzlies for that spot. And so um, now he will have the favorability inside the playing game. But um, also... It was he played like insane during this time. He had multiple fifty point games and a sixty one point game, in which he hit multiple deep shots and had some amazing, amazing shots, especially in that game against the Mavs, in which he shot it from half court and it bounced in when he took that shot at the end of the game there to tie the game. And so he has played absolutely amazing in leading his team to the um to the playoffs here. And so it was. He he really has been great throughout this, and he's also considered this award. And then the third player really in contention for this award is TJ Warren. And though he did not lead his team to any sort of amazing record, though the Pacers did actually play very well in the bubble, just not necessarily because of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the TJ Warren averaged by far the best of all the players in the whole bubble. He was averaging thirty something points every per game in the bubble here with multiple assists and multiple rebounds. Um, but his scoring was just absolutely amazing, and the jump he made was absolutely amazing by a fair amount here. He, entering the bubble, was a solid player, but nothing amazing. No one considered him to really be a starting player even on that um, Pacers team that has Oladipo, Sabonis, Brogdon and all those different players there, and so no one really thought he was a starter on that team. But he played absolutely amazing when he when the uh, startup happened here, averaging thirty points. Had that one fifty three point game against um, what I believe was the Sixers, and he was just absolutely amazing throughout. And so he's also inserted for this uh, MVP award. But I think the MVP should be Damian Lillard, as I kind of was explaining before, because I think he did the most for his team. He he had the most, like, 50 and 60-point games in the bubble. He earthed, I believe, two or three out of eight total games. He led his team to a great record, making them actually get the eighth seed while they were in the tenth seed entering the playoffs. He played absolutely amazing throughout the whole thing, so uh, congrats to him. And so my all-NBA team here, really, now, obviously is made up of having Damian Lillard on that team. We also have Devin Booker, as I explained, and TJ Warren. And so you have those three main dudes who played absolutely amazing this year, as I explained all three of them. I think all three of them were absolutely great. But I don't necessarily know how they're going to do this team. I don't know if they're going to actually go by position, who the best are, if they're going to do actually the best center and the best power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. But I'm doing this really just based on my all-NBA bubble team is just the five best players so far in the bubble in, um, in this. And it's actually made up of all five guards um, on who's played here. Though I think you could slip in a Christoph Porzingis in one of those spots if you needed to make the line bigger because he played absolutely amazing throughout the bubble here as well. But um, all the four, the, all five players that I have in this are the three that I just explained. I also, I also have James Harden, who continued his amazing dominance that he had been doing great this season with, um, scoring tons and tons of points, averaging what, what I think was 35 points throughout the bubble and just playing amazing for his team there. And so he was an absolutely great player. Um throughout the whole ball, and he wasn't actually talked about as much as, like, Dame and Booker and Warren, although he was averaging just as many points, if not more. The thing, whole thing is just because of his style of play and who and how his team really did in the bowl because they didn't necessarily win every game. So 
I think that he obviously should be on this team. And then the fifth player I had have on the All-NBA bubble team would be Luka Doncic. And this was really close to me, obviously. I said Chris Porzingis co won it among many other players, maybe even like a Jason Tim or Jalen Brown, someone like that. Um, but I think that Luka Doncic kind of deserved this because he, he averaged 30 points. Usually was he got a triple-double multiple times. Um <clears throat> And he just played absolutely amazing throughout his whole time in the bubble here. And so I'd have him as my fifth player on my All-NBA bubble team here in the first eight games. And so all five players I have on it are guards at the moment, so it's a very small lineup. But I think that these are the five who really deserve to have that All-NBA bubble um, team. Although, shout-out to Derek White, who was a great player this year, and I think he could be, like, the sixth man um, among other players. And just a really, really great bubble so far, and we'll see if the playoffs are as good as the bubble has been. And so now I'm going to move on to talking about the NBA playoffs and who I think should win each matchup in the first round um, and then go on from there. And so, since the NBA playoffs are set, I'm going to quickly kind of preview who I think should win each round one game in the NBA playoffs because they're, the NBA playoffs kind of shaped up a little different than how it looked when I made my predictions for the whole playoffs. Um, but I'll kind of talk about who I think should win, who I think will go out with not many changes, really, in my opinion, to what I previously had said. And so starting with the Eastern Conference, you have the 1 versus 8, which is the Bucks versus the Magic. And I had previously said that I thought the Magic could really make a run at the Bucks here and play very well and do something like that. And um, I'm kind of going to pull back on that for a couple of reasons here. Um... To start off with that, Jonathan Isaac isn't playing anymore, and he was arguably their best player. They also lost Mo Bamba um, because he departed to the, from the NBA bubble in Orlando to undergo a comprehensive post-coronavirus evaluation, and so he'll miss the remainder of the season here. And so they'll be missing multiple of their best players. That's two of five starters really right there. Um, and they've also had other injury problems throughout. And so I just don't think they're going to really compete with the Bucks excuse me, in the first round here. And I just don't know, really, what's going to happen there. So I don't, I still didn't have them beating the Bucks before, but now I especially don't have them beating the Bucks because I just don't believe that um that they have enough firepower to play with the Bucks here, though they may steal, like, one game. Then you have the two versus the seven in the Eastern Conference. That's Toronto versus the Nets. The Nets have actually played much better than anyone thought they would, considering they're missing basically their whole team here, and Karis LeVert's having to carry them. But um, I still don't think that changes anything. At Toronto. I think Toronto will beat them fairly easily, probably five games also, and so nothing really with that. The three versus the six in the Eastern Conference set up as um, the Celtics versus the Sixers, and so I don't see much of a difference there. I think that the Celtics um, will beat the Sixers in approximately five games, especially considering the Sixers don't have Ben Simmons anymore and may not have um, Joel Embiid, considering he's been having trouble recently and has been uh, somewhat injured throughout, and it just doesn't seem the Sixers are really coming together at the right time or anything like that. And so I just think that the Celtics probably beat them five, six games maybe at most there. And then I also think that the four versus the five, which is shaping up to be the best first-round matchup in the Eastern Conference, um, which is the Heat versus the Pacers, who kind of grew into a rivalry here. And the Pacers look better now, considering they have T.J. Warren. I think that this will be actually a great series. In fact, I could see the series going seven games, in fact, um, because... I think that both teams are very evenly matched. I think that Miami has a lot of firepower with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero both shooting very well recently. 
and they need Kendrick Nunn to get going here, but they're still very good. But I also think the Pacers have um tons of talent on their roster as well because they have um because the Pacers have obviously Victor Oladipo, Malcolm Brogdon, maybe even Demontis Samus can if he ends up playing here. You also have Holiday, who's playing very well. Both of the Holiday brothers who are playing very well at the moment, and then you also have T.J. Warren, who's become an absolute star recently on that team. So I think that you could easily see the Pacers uh, putting up a great fight against them. I think I could see a seven-game series here between these two teams. Though I think Miami ends up coming out of it and um, and winning this spot. And so. Just the rest of the Eastern side, very quickly. I think the Bucks beat Miami, and actually, what I think could be easily a six or a seven game series, kind of wearing out the Bucks because I think Miami matches up with them very well. But the Bucks win that, go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Celtics beat the Raptors in probably a six or seven game series as well, because um, I think they're both evenly matched. I just think the Celtics have better than them, and clearly we saw that earlier on when they played the Raptors. So I could see that going six games with the Celtics winning there as well. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, as I had before, I still think the Celtics will beat the Bucks. I just think that that could easily go seven games. It'll be very difficult for them, and it will be a great matchup between those two. Um, in the Western Conference now, we have to start off with, um, on Saturday here, we'll have the, the first playing game between Portland and... Um, and the Grizzlies here, and so it looks like I'm going to end up being correct about having Portland make it to the playoffs over the Grizzlies, and I said that these two would be playing in the playing game, except the the Portland is now in the eighth seed, and the Grizzlies are in the ninth seed, so the Grizzlies have to win two, while Portland has to win one, and so I think this will be interesting to watch, but I think Portland will end up winning at least one game here of the two, and will end up going into that eighth seed, and so that means that you'll have the Lakers versus Portland in the first round of the Western Conference, and so I think that this actually matches up very well. I think Portland could put up a big fight against the Lakers, and I think that could easily go seven. You're at least going six. I think there may be even seven between those two. I think that's a great matchup, and you could easily see an upset from Portland, but I think the Lakers barely inch by. Then you have two versus seven, which is the Clippers versus Dallas. Um, I think that though Dallas has great scoring from Luka and Chris Stapps, I just don't think they have the ability to keep up with Clippers, who are so, so deep. And we'll get Montrose Harrell back here for the first game in the playoffs and from there on out. And so I think the Clippers end up winning that series in probably six or five games. You have um, Denver now against the Jazz, which is the really only shakeup in the playoff order um, from the beginning because the Jazz dropped two spots in the NBA bubble here. And so you have the Nuggets versus the Jazz. And so I actually would have the Nuggets beating the Jazz here while I previously had the Nuggets losing to the Rockets here. Um, and so I think the Nuggets are really set up well for the future with, Don with Jamal Murray and then also Michael Porter Jr., who's really caught fire in the bubble here from outside and has played absolutely amazing there. And so I think the Nuggets will win this game and will move on to play the Clippers. And um, I think it will be fairly easy considering the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Jazz aren't all that great. And then the four versus the five is obviously the Rockets and the Thunder, and I think the Rockets will end up beating out the Thunder while I previously had the Thunder beating the Jazz here. Um, and I just think the Rockets are the better team, the more fast-paced team, though they may not have Russell Westbrook for the first round of the playoffs here, which is a really interesting thing to watch because he um, is a big part of their team. And so it'll be interesting to watch that, but I do think that the Rockets will end up winning this. And so you have Lakers-Rockets in the second round of the playoffs, and I still have the Lakers going to the Western Conference Finals, though this one really worries me right here. LeBron James hasn't been playing all that well. 
I think the Rockets kind of match up in an interesting way with the Lakers here, and I think they could easily beat the Lakers. I just think that the Lakers will beat them barely in a seven-game series. And I think the Clippers match up with the Nuggets very interesting as well. I just think the Clippers will end up beating them also in like a six- or seven-game series, which means also that every one of our conference semifinals games are going to be absolutely amazing this year considering all four conference semifinal matchups I think will be um, matchups that can go six or seven. And so also, I think that now with the Western Grounds Finals, you have the Clippers, Lakers, and I think the Clippers actually end up beating the Lakers in a six-game series instead of seven um, or so there. And then I think Clippers, Celtics, I still have the same in the finals with the Clippers beating the Celtics. So that's my NBA playoff bracket breakdown at the moment. That's who I would have winning. I'm now going to move on to talking about college football and some bounce-back players for this coming season. And so, now I'm going to go over a couple of college football players that I think could easily bounce back this coming season when the season happens, if the season happens, here um, in the SEC, Big 12, and ACC. And so I kind of have to talk about, first, some of the news that happened in the past week because some very big things happened. And so it was announced earlier in the week that the Pac-12 and the Big 10 will not be playing college football in the fall this season. Um, as I suspected, that all of college football will cancel, though the other groups haven't yet. Um, both of those conferences announced they will not be playing in the fall, though it looks like some teams inside those, such as Ohio State and Nebraska in the Big Ten, are looking to remove themselves from the conference to play in, um, just to play as an independent this coming season instead because they would like to play football. Mm, excuse me. And so it's interesting to see what happens with those two conferences having announced that they won't play in the fall. Though they both said that they hope to play in the spring, I just don't think that's realistic by any means because it will be really difficult to set it up and actually have two college football seasons happen basically back-to-back here in the spring and then the fall again next year. And so I don't think they'll play in the spring, but it'll be interesting to watch as well. But um, with that, we also have to note that the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC all announced that they're heading forward with their schedules and everything here, beginning play on September 26th, as they said they would. And so it'll be interesting to see if they end up actually ever playing, as they say they are. Um, But they say so far that they're going to play, and so it'll be interesting to see if they actually end up doing it. Um, One very small thing to notice today is that the NCAA announced that they will not be having any uh, fall championships, which means no championships for college football, though I'm not necessarily sure if that means all that much at the moment, considering what all is happening right now and how everything's very liquid. And um, it'll be interesting to see that, though the NCAA looks like they're not re- they don't really want people to play um, if they can stop them from doing it at the moment. And so with all that, I'm going to quickly go through five players I think could easily have a bounce back year this year, especially if their teams play. Though I would like to note that when I made this list, um, college football was still um, planning on all of the conferences were still planning on having college football. So there are a couple of players in this that are in the Big Ten or the Pac-12. Um, and, but I'll still talk about them, kind of talk about what I think they could have done if they were to have played. The first player, though, is not in the Big Ten or the Pac-12, and that is James Blackman for Florida State. And I think he could easily have a bounce-back year this year. I think Florida State was going to be better than they were the previous couple seasons here because, obviously, they're stepping up talent. They are a new coach and all that stuff. But I think that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that, I think that James Blackman is a very talented quarterback right now, and I think with all the experience he will have had now, I think he can very easily, um, 
I think he will very easily have a great season this year uh, for the Florida State team because the ACC is very weak and they just have tons of talent. And if the ACC has their season, I think he'll be very good. I think he'll bounce back. The next player I have on my list is a Big Ten player, and that's Rondale Moore. So Rondale Moore in his freshman year in 2018 was the most dynamic player in college football. He won the Paul Horn Award for most versatile player, I think, or something like that. And he had tons of return touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, everything. He was absolutely great for Purdue. Um, as a top recruit there as a freshman. But last season, he was injured for the whole year, and so he did not play all that well, obviously, being injured for the whole season. So he, if he were to have played this year in the Big Ten, though it doesn't look like Purdue will play, um, I think he would have easily had a bounce back year because I think he's a very talented wide receiver who could very, very easily um, have played amazing and at an All-American level like he did as a freshman. Another player to note is Dylan Moses, who I think will have an amazing season this year for Alabama. I think that um I think that Dylan Moses um was amazing in his first couple of years at Alabama as a top recruit and middle linebacker spot and leading that Alabama defense as Alabama always has that great middle linebacker there. <clears throat> but I think that he was injured all of last season and was out for the whole season, so we didn't get to see what happens there. But I think with him coming back and other people getting more experience, I think he'll play very well in that Alabama defense leading them to another playoff spot and playing amazing on their defense. Another player to note would be Adrian Martinez of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And though it doesn't look like they're going to play, though they could considering Nebraska is attempting to get out of the Big Ten, um, I think that Adrian Martinez would have had an amazing season if he were to have played, considering he was predicted to be a Heisman finalist last year, but um, he didn't play as well as people expected him to in his sophomore campaign, kind of having a sophomore slump. But I think, though, that if he were to um, if he were to play a whole season, which he would have this year, I think that he could play absolutely amazing in the Big Ten. He's a dynamic rusher and passer, and so having a quarterback like that can be absolutely great, especially in a Scott Frost offense, which are known for using them well. And then the final number five player that I want to talk about here for who could bounce back in 2020 was De'Eric King. And this one's very obvious considering he's a Heisman candidate entering the season here for the Miami Hurricanes. And so he transferred from Houston to Miami after sitting out the majority of last season because <clears throat> his Houston team did not start off all that well in the first four games. And so he decided to redshirt instead and save his eligibility because his team clearly was not going to be playing all that well that year. um, And so he wanted to go somewhere else, and he transferred to Miami. And so I think on Miami, in a weak ACC, he's a very, very fast, dynamic quarterback. I think he could easily play amazing this year and bounce back from last season, which he did not play more than four games. And I think he'll have a great season for Miami if Miami ends up playing as they're expected to. And so those were my college football bounce back players for this coming season. Um... Now I would like to talk about, uh, now I'm going to do another edition of Ranked, which will be the top NFL coaches for this coming season. And so now I'm going to quickly do another edition of Ranked, which is going to be the top five NFL coaches for the coming season, considering I've already done all the position groups in the NFL so far, um, prior to the NFL season happening here. And so I'm going to go through who I think are my top five NFL coaches at the moment. Um, and so this is an interesting list. I think there are a lot of really good coaches. A couple to note before this are Mike Zimmer's really good, but he's not on the list. Doug Peterson I think is pretty good for the Eagles as well. Um, Sean McVay is a really dynamic coach. Um, 
for the Rams. I think he's a great innovator. And then you also have a coach like Mike Tomlin, who's a great leader and is really regarded by many players as their favorite coach by far. But um, here are my top five NFL coaches in the well, top five coaches in the NFL for this coming season. And coming in at number five, I have um, I have Sean. Payton, and so I think that Sean Payton's actually really good for the Saints. He knows how to work with Drew Brees because he's been working for with him for a very long time now, almost 10 years, um, and so I think that Sean Payton just really is a great offensive scheme creator. He created this offense for Drew Brees. It was meant for Drew Brees and Drew Brees only, but he was able to adapt it to Tay Bridgewater last year, and so I think that um, as Drew Brees grows older here, I think he's going to continue to make this offense great for him, and I think He'll just continue to assemble a great team around him, and so that's why I think I have him at number five on my list here. At number four, I have John Harbaugh, and I think that he kind of is a little overrated because of how last season went with Lamar Jackson and all that stuff and how he really changed the offense to fit Lamar Jackson. Excuse me there. Um, but I think that, that was very good way he did there. Obviously, you should create your offense around the players that you have, not create an offense and find players for it. Um, obviously, you should work with what you have. And I think he did a great job of that, creating an offense with Greg Roman that I think um, really fit Lamar Jackson well. Um, John Harbaugh was previously a special teams coach, which is what led him to this job. And um, I think that that means that he doesn't necessarily have great control over the defense and the offense and doesn't necessarily understand those things fully. But I think that means he's a great leader, and so I have him at number four on this list because of his leadership and his ability to adapt. At number three, I have Pete Carroll, and I really like Pete Carroll as an NFL coach. I think that... um. I think that he has done a great job with the Seahawks, bringing them to the playoffs almost every year and then putting them in the conversation every season. And so I think that he was known before for not having a great offense but having an amazing defense. Um, but now he has a great offense with Russell Wilson as well. And so he's clearly adapted his team to what the talent he has. And he continues to make his team better and better. He's really great at developing defensive backs, and that should help considering he has um, Jamal Adams now, and they should be great there at defensive back. Um, but I also think that he's been able to develop an offense with Russell Wilson that's worked better and better every season and made Russell Wilson better and better every season. So, so that's why I have him at number three. And at number two, I have Andy Reid. And I think there's a fairly obvious one and two now in the NFL. And so here's the two. And Andy Reid's been absolutely amazing for as the Chiefs coach so far. He has had nothing but success with this team, leading him to the playoffs almost every season he's been there and making them competitive, and especially recently making them absolutely out, just amazing with Patrick Mahomes. We know that every season the Chiefs will be contenders at the moment considering Andy Reid develops an amazing offense every year around what he has. With Alex Smith, he was developing better passing offenses that led Alex Smith to having amazing seasons while he's not an absolutely amazing quarterback. Um, but now with Patrick Mahomes, he's been able to open up his offense completely and make it as dynamic as he possibly can, and has led them to a Super Bowl now, making him one of the only coaches in the NFL um, to have a Super Bowl. And so at number one on this list, I have Bill Belichick, and that's the fairly obvious one. And, I mean, I hate saying it because I'm not really a big Bill Belichick fan. I don't really love the Patriots by any means. But I believe that Bill Belichick is probably the best coach in the NFL by a fair margin. He continues to adapt every year and work with what he has. He's just been a model of consistency and winning. Last year was the first year in a very long time that he didn't make the Super Bowl. First year since 2015, actually, that he didn't make the Super Bowl. And in 2015, was in the AFC Championship game. That was the first time in many years that he wasn't in the AFC Championship game by any means. Um... And so, 
I think that he's just proven repeatedly that he can lead teams to winning with no matter what he has. Um, and I think he's adapted very well to what he has, considering he's won without Tom Brady for that couple of seasons there with the Matt Castle and like the Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo stuff. And so he's proven that he can play, he can coach very well with all these things. He's led an amazing defense now with Stephon Gilmore and stuff. He led great defense early on in the Super Bowl. Um, stuff for the Patriots when they won their first couple of Super Bowls, and so he's adapted from great defense to great offense and to back to great defense, and so he just continues to be great as an info coach, and so that is my top five info coaches in another edition of Ranked. Now I'm going to move on to giving my hot take as I do at the end of every episode, with this one being about the Dallas Cowboys. So... The Cowboys announced on Wednesday that they are adding Everson Griffin, which is just another amazing piece to that defense there um, that needed pass rush and now has more pass rush than they started with by far without Alden Smith now, who I think will be dynamic to Marcus Lawrence, who is already a great pass rusher, and now also having Everson Griffin there. And so I think the Cowboys are just building up an amazing team for this coming season. And so I previously was kind of down on the Cowboys. I had talked about them being kind of in a close race with Philly. Um, for the NFC East there, and I'm not really sure how good they'd be. Um, but now, I believe, by far, that the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, will very easily, as my hot take, be in the NFC Championship this season. Um, after many people had them a little bit lower, I believe the Cowboys are in the NFC Championship this season. I don't know if I can commit to having them win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl, but I think that they're very easily in the NFC Championship against the Saints. They're one of the two best teams in the NFC, one of the top teams in the whole NFL right now, and so I think that um, they're just an absolutely amazing team there uh, in Dallas, and I just think they have so, so much talent, and right now I would put them as one of the top two teams in the NFC, and so my hot take is that the Dallas Cowboys will be in the NFC Championship this coming season. Um, just because of all the talent they have, what they've added on the defense line in the secondary, on the offense and everything with C.D. Lamb as well. They're just an amazing team that's only improved in the offseason here and continues to get better on with Dak Prescott and, and all the talent they have there. And, yeah, that is my hot take. The Cowboys will be in the NFC Championship this coming season. So that is all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, We'll be continuing to put out uh, content and episodes every week here with another episode coming out this Sunday, and I hope you listen to that episode as well. Um, Like and subscribe, follow on Spotify, rate five stars on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, and comment as well with your rating. And so um, thank you for listening to this episode. We're working on getting it fully on iTunes because it seems to be going up and down with that and not completely working. And we're working on adding the co-host, which I'm going to explain in one of the coming episodes here and how that would work. But um, thank you for listening to this episode as well. And um, I hope you enjoyed it. And so thank you. Goodbye.